Welcome back to That Wasn't In My Textbook, our bi-weekly podcast that helps us uncover the things we always wish we learned from that boring, bulky textbook. I'm your host, Toya, and you're now listening to Episode 5, The History. And not that shady, gossipy stuff folks be sipping on, but we're actually talking about tea from the tea plant. You know, your green teas, your black teas, all of that good, tasty stuff. Personally, I'm a tea gal. I don't, no shade to the coffee people, but I just want, I wanted to let y'all know that. I'm excited about this episode because this is a little different from our other episodes that have been based in a lot of American history. This episode is talking about the true tea plant that was originally grown in China. So we're going to learn about the history of tea and some history of China mixed together. Of course, I'll figure out a way to bring it back to American history and other cultures, but uh, this is a little different, and I think you guys will really, really enjoy it. This week, I am joined by Latonia, the capital T, (laughs) I'm a lowercase t, another self-proclaimed tea lover, and she is the founder of Adorn Tea House, a loose leaf tea company that offers beautifully unique, superior quality tea blends that are sustainably sourced from around the world. So she basically makes really dope teas. She comes up with the flavors herself, and they're also good for the environment. I mean, it's a win win situation. And I have three in my cabinet, so I'm not fronting on y'all like the tea is good. In this episode, we talk about this popular beverage, tea. We uncover where it originated from and how it got all over the world. Hint, colonizers. Um, We also talk about, you, you know, the tasty blends and how tea can or cannot help your immune system. And we talk about the process of making tea and we learn about Latonia's process of putting tea blends and flavors together. This episode was inspired by the fact that tea is the second most popular drink in the world after water. Sorry, coffee drinkers. Okay. So the most popular drinks in the world list go like water, tea, coffee, beer. And then I think it's one. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) So it's inspired by the popularity of tea. And then just by the fact that I am a tea lover myself. You know, my mom was convinced that, you know, going to college, pulling all-nighters, or just like the everyday stress of life would make me strung out on coffee. And it just never happened. Just never, ever happened. Give me my tea, please. And during this pandemic, I have been in my tea bag. (laughs) Get it? Tea for tea and tea for Toya. Okay. I've been in my tea bag um, just learning about tea. I have loose leaf tea 
that I bought from Adorn Tea House. And I've always been intimidated by it. I've just always been like, let me just buy tea in a tea bag. But the loose leaf tea is really nice. It's a nice process to kind of scoop it out, put it in your own kind of like organic tea bag, or if you have like a loose tea strainer or kettle and understanding the process of like how long the water should boil, what temperature it should be at so that you get the best flavor from the tea leaves. So it's just been really great for me. I know it probably sounds a little bougie, (laughs) but it's just been really nice and I would suggest maybe you trying it. Now, before we jump into today's episode with our guest Latonia, founder of Adorn Tea House, Let's do some history stuff first. You guys know how this goes. So first, the definition. What is tea? True teas come from the Camellia sensis plant, also known as the tea plant, which is what I'll be calling it throughout this podcast episode because I don't know if I can say Camellia sensis properly 500 times. Now, the tea plant is usually found in tropical or subtropical locations like China and India, which is not to be confused with herbal teas, which do not have caffeine or the tea plant in it. It doesn't have camellia sensis in it. Herbal teas are just a blend of different herbs and flowers and spices, and they are not the true tea that we are discussing today. True teas come in six main categories, green, yellow, white, oolong, red, and black. Think Now, let's talk about where it all began. During a long ass day spent chilling and roaming through the forest in search of edible greens and herbs, a weary divine farmer, Shi Hung, accidentally poisoned himself 72 times. Yeah, I said 72 times. But right before the poisons hit his system, a leaf fell into his mouth. He chewed it, and then boom, he was brought back to life. And that is how we discovered tea. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Well, that's how the ancient Chinese legend says that we discovered tea. But it's never really been proven that tea actually cures poisoning. (laughs) But this ancient story of Shi Hung, this mythical Chinese inventor of agriculture who poisoned himself 72 times, really just shows how important and critical tea was to ancient China. But basically, tea was discovered and farmed a long, long time ago, 6,000 years ago, or some would say 15,000 years before the Great Pyramids of Gaza. These pyramids are like those popular three pyramids that you see that are in Cairo, Egypt. So 15,000 years before those pyramids that are ancient popped up (laughs) that's when the plant is believed to have arrived on this earth crazy so the tea plant is 16,000 years old I just said that right and it's the same one that's grown in different places around the world and can be found in our tea bags But back then, 6,000 years ago, it was consumed very differently. 
It was treated like a food. So people would eat it like a vegetable or cook it in porridge. So I'm thinking it was treated like spinach or kale. It was only 1,500 years ago when people started consuming tea similar to how we consume it today. And someone was just like, yo, what would happen if you mix this tea leaf in heat and water and moisture? And they realized that you can get mad different yummy flavor combos out of these leaves. So after hundreds of years of being treated like a veggie, the preparation switched over and the standard became to heat tea, pack it into cakes, portable cakes, think like rice cakes so that you could easily move it around. And then when you got your tea cake, you would grind it into a powder and mix it into hot water. And this created a beverage called matcha, one of your girl's favorites. I love matcha. Okay, that's me. And matcha was so fire that a distinct Chinese tea culture emerged. With this new prep style, it was all tea, all matcha, everything in China. It was the subject of books, poetry, all the emperors. That's what they wanted. They wanted tea, okay? And it was even a medium for artists. So artists would draw fancy, intricate pictures in the foam of tea similar to what you know you see in your espresso shops I'm imagining it was probably better than your Starbucks in the 19th century during the Tang dynasty a Japanese monk took the first tea plant to Japan and the Japanese eventually developed their own unique rituals and prep around tea leading to the creation of the Japanese tea ceremony Following that, 14th century, it was the Min Dynasty. The Chinese emperor again switched it up, and he switched the standard of tea from making it into those portable rice cakes, right, that you mix into powder. He changed that and just made loose leaf tea like we have today. Now, at this point, China was the only place in the world with tea trees, making tea one of China's main exports following silk, Chinese silk fire, and their ceramic material called porcelain. China had the exclusive. If you wanted tea, you had to come and buy it from them. This made China a world power. You know, they were pretty powerful and rich because the popularity of tea was spreading around the world. And the spreading really popped off in the 1600s when the Dutch and the British, a.k.a. the colonizers, started bringing tea from China to Europe in large, large quantities. There was Queen Catherine of Braza, who married King Charles in 1661, is believed to have made tea poppin in britain and by the 1700s tea in europe was 10 times as much as coffee haha coffee drinkers tea tea rules and tea trees were still only growing in china colonizers aka western trading companies were so thirsty for tea that the world's fastest sailboat in the 1800s called the clipper ship was made 
out of the intense competition to see what colonizer could get to China first to get the most tea and bring it back home and sell it. Okay, warning. This is where the story takes a turn, y'all. In the beginning, Britain paid for tea with silver. But Britain realized it was getting kind of expensive paying with all the silver. And they were like, hey, China, instead of trading your exclusive tea for silver, why don't we have like a little barter system? Like, we'll trade you for something else, one of our products, one of our quality products. You know, mm, like a drugs, more specifically opium, the stuff that's in cocaine. <laughs> yeah, tea and opium have the same value. I don't think so, guys. I don't think so. So they started trading with China for their tea with opium. This agreement sparked off a major health problem in China as people became addicted to the drug. And in 1839, China sent a big fuck you message to Britain by destroying massive British shipments of opium. They basically like burned a whole ship down that was full of opium. And this popped off the first opium war between China and Britain. And China lost. And not only did they have to continue to receive opium as a form of payment in exchange for tea, but they also had to give up like their ports and land. And, you know, Britain in true colonizer fashion, like why not kick people while they're down? They also wanted to grow their own tea. And so the British East India Company had a botanist named Robert Fortune steal tea from China in a top secret location. This dude disguised himself, went through the mountains, and smuggled tea trees and workers into India. And from there, it was game over for China. The plant spread from India to other parts of the world that are tropical and changed tea into an everyday commodity. Damn those colonizers. Today, tea is the second most popular consumed beverage in the world after water. And there's so many type of teas you can get. Turkish tea, Tibetan tea. And it's believed that there are so many ways to prepare the beverage as there are cultures around the world. Whew. Man. I thought that was going to have a happy ending. Now, in America... Tea didn't really pop off initially. You have to remember that one of the most famous single events in tea history occurred in the United States, right? So when the American Revolution popped off, the war between the colonies in America and Britain, one of the main things was the destruction of the Boston Tea Parties. The people in the colonies were pissed that they were being taxed so much on tea from Britain and Britain was bringing this tea from China and they were just taxing people because they were trying to make a profit and pay for their military and all that stuff. So the colonies in America burned tea and tea was kind of like a reminder of like the fact that they were trying to get played by Britain and it kind of created this war. And so tea, after America won the war, tea was like that a reminder, you know, of like your enemy of your ex. So they didn't really want to drink it. Like they were probably still drinking it, but they weren't like enjoying it. It was kind of 
they were like, we're not messing with tea. That's a British thing. And we're not Britain. <laughs> so, yeah. But they did at some points try to grow tea here. They brought the tea tree plant here. They went as far as getting Robert Fortune, you know, the guy who smuggled tea from China into India. They went as far as hiring him to grow tea in Washington. Um, but they didn't really like him, so they fired him. His personality apparently wasn't that great. But, um, you know, eventually in like the 1880s, there was like tea tree, the tea plant was successfully planted in South Carolina. It was funded by Congress and it was labored by children. I'm going to let y'all have that. And it was once operated by Lipton Tea, and it's still around today. But tea, just growing tea in America was never successful because America doesn't have those tropical and subtropical conditions. The South is just hot, you know? So it, it never really kind of stuck except for that one plantation. But America's influence on tea was more about the commercialization, like creating innovations to make it easier to consume tea. So we are considered the inventors of iced tea and sweet tea and tea bags and making um, tea drinks. So I'm putting it in bottles and cans, right? So a lot of the stuff that we did around tea was making it more convenient, but it was created with basic low-grade tea ingredients. Like, they weren't getting really good supply because they also wanted to kind of minimize the overhead. So it wasn't a lot of quality stuff. But luckily today, with the internet, and, you know, it has expanded the tea buyer experience, allowing individual tea gardens to sell, to now sell directly from Asia to tea drinkers or vendors and so you can get a wide variety in quality teas anywhere around the world okay so let's just do a quick summary of the things that was covered here today because it's quite a lot um one colonizers ruin everything <laughs> actually that might be the theme of this podcast okay there's a little bit more all right the first tea is the second most popular drink around the world uh, following water, tea, the tea plant has stood the hands of time going back as far as 6,000 years ago. Tea was first consumed as a veggie. That's crazy. Um, up until 1842, China was the only place that you could find the tea plant. And this allowed China to be a world power. Initially, Britain traded tea for silver until they didn't want to anymore and then they traded it for opium which left china in a health scare china tried to fight for themselves they lost uh in the 1840s robin fortune smuggled tea to india and this really changed the whole game of tea around the world it allowed it to be an everyday commodity but it also took away the power from China and the exclusivity from China in a really messed up kind of way. America didn't really mess with tea because of, you know, Britain, the beef with Britain and the Boston Tea Party and burning tea on the ships and being taxed. So they didn't really mess with tea for a minute. They tried to grow tea plants in America didn't hit because we are not tropical. And then we were, America was more of 
into the commercialization. So we created iced tea, sweet tea, tea bags, and the idea of instant tea in powder and bottle form. But it was kind of trash. The tea quality was trash. Um, and today, due to the internet and all the other advancements, we all have access to better quality tea. <laughs> all right, that was the history of tea. Now let's jump into our interview with Latonia, the founder of Adorn Tea. Okay, so I'm so excited to have Latonia. I'm saying your name right, right? Latonia. Latonia. Okay, I'm so excited to have Latonia here. Are you a capital T or a lowercase T? Capital T, honey. Okay, I'm a lowercase T, Latoya, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm so excited to have you here because, you know, I love everything that you're doing with your handmade blend teas, and I have been addicted to the Afro Blue Tea. Um, <laughs> my boyfriend and I have been going in. He's in love. Um, so I thought it would <laughs> be perfect, like, for this episode to talk about the history of tea and have you come in as, like, you know, talking about the current history of tea and the future of tea and also more so also about your business and stuff sure. like that. So I would let you introduce yourself because I know you have a really interesting background. So if you could just let people know who you are and how great you are. Oh, oh my gosh. First of all, thank you so much for such a beautiful introduction and for asking about the tea. Um, so it is a capital T um, mm -hmm. and I know you know having a name um, similar to mine. We have very similar names. Uh, how interesting it can be to have people pronounce and, and spell your name. So mm -hmm. thank you so much. Um, I'm Latonia Coakley. I live in the Washington, D.C. area, um, actually about 15 minutes outside of D.C. Um, I am the owner of Ajourn Tea House, and I came into uh, tea blending as a way to grieve the passing of my mother and my father. So when I was 20, I lost my um, father to a terminal cancer, and then when I was 30, I lost my mother to a terminal cancer. And after my mother's passing, I just, you know, started to, to go back to the things that would settle me and that would help me, you know, really center myself. And one of those things was tea. Um, and so I started playing with herbs and spices and looking up recipes and came up with a few that I loved, shared them with my sister friends and had a bunch of folks say, hey, you should sell. And so that that's really <laughs> my path to um, tea drinking. And what I realized most, um, Latoya, is that, um, you know, there's a practice that goes with tea drinking that I have adopted as a way to calm my anxiety and process all of the, the, the ups and downs and flows and waves in the world. Um, and so part of my work is really sharing that with you all. Yeah. Wow. I'm, we're going to talk about that process because I have, like, as someone who just jumped into the loose tea game, have mm -hmm. learned about this process. I don't know if I'm doing it completely right either. So you might be able to help me. <laughs> I got you, sis. <laughs> Thank you. So how do you define out, just like my signature question, how do you define tea? Like if you had to give it a definition or... Tea is an experience, right? What I love most about tea drinking specifically is that it can be whatever experience you want it to be. So if you are on the go and you need to throw something together real quick, you can, you have tea bags for that. Mm -hmm. If your stomach's upset and you need to boil um, a whole ginger root, then you can do that. If you are expecting or if you just um, had a baby and you're nursing and you need to induce milk, there are teas for that. 
If you're feeling down, there's teas for that. If you're feeling happy, there's teas for that. There's teas for celebration. There's teas for, you know, grieving. There, there's so many different experiences that can go with the tea blend. Um, and that's been a part of like my journey through entrepreneurship, honestly, because, you know, um, I don't enter the space of tea as an herbalist. So I didn't study herbs. I do what everyone else does. I Google <laughs> if I'm curious about something, I look it up. Um, but what I've been learning is that all along, I grew up drinking tea. My mom would make us sleepy time tea almost mm-hmm. every night. Or when we were feeling fancy, we had these um, Sundays where they would be pamper days and we would do our toes and we'd do a little fingernail. Yeah, honey, it was so sweet. And, you know, of course, hair day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember those and cherish those memories. And so I also think that's tea. You know, tea is the experience that you bring um, when you're drinking, when you're, and, and for me, when I'm pausing and really sh- taking the time to enjoy each sip. Yeah, that was beautiful. Did you learn, I know you talked about, like, you learned tea from your family. Did you learn anything about tea in school at all? Or was tea in your textbooks? Honey, no, not beyond the Boston Tea Party. Oh, um, yeah, and- I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Honey, no. And I think what's interesting about that is my, so my husband's from, um, from Kingston, Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I remember his uh, late grandmother telling me or talking to me about was bush, bush tea. And I, I remember being like, what is that? And no, it's literally a bush, and they go and get the, the leaves from that particular bush, and they make tea. And I can't, and um, uh, Cersei too, and um, sorrel, hibiscus leaves, oh, yeah. and ginger. Sorrel. Yeah, and the thing is, people of color, we've been drinking tea, not just black people, people of color all around the world. This isn't just um, a European. Um, thing or product. Wow. This it is actually really is- like a lot of the research that I've done says like a lot of it started in like China. You know what I mean? Like some of the first yes. first discovery of like tea in the traditional sense of how we use it. But all over the yeah. world, people have been doing their own versions. Absolutely. Um, and so I wish that I'd learned. And honestly, when you uh, started your podcast, and I remember looking at. Uh, what you were doing to listen to some of the work that you the interviews you've already done I was like yeah um as an educator that's been a part of my work too just learning about where the teas come from so I'm very specific about you know where I buy my teas where they're sourced I like to learn about the farms that they come from um there are lots of beautiful tea plantations in Kenya um in Sri Lanka in um you know Tanzania their tea their tea plantations are all over and so it's been really cool to learn more about that as well that's beautiful because I do not know anything about tea plantations so how do you when you say you like look at farms and stuff how do you go about picking a new flavor because right now I have afro blue I have home sweet and I have the jubilee like the juneteenth version which I love all of them so how do you go about choosing um like your flavor combination that's not interesting. Um, so I don't know if you follow the Afro minimalist. If you don't, you should follow her. Okay. Okay. I definitely so really, will. Really, she does work incredible historian work. I do you want to love the history and in, in, in what she does. But one of the things that she's been, um, she's a good friend of mine and she's been talking to me and um, her followers a lot about is blood memory. Ooh. And so it's been really inspiring me to kind of let my spirit take me through the tea blending. Mm-hmm. Literally the process uh, for me begins with a, an idea of an experience. 
Um, so right now I'm playing with um, a tea with flowers. And so I'm, I'm letting myself, my nose, my, my, you know, my senses take me through. I literally put a bunch of spices and herbs on the table. I pick things up. I smell them. So I might have cinnamon and I don't know, bee pollen and bring those together and see what it smells like, <laughs> you know? Um, so I allow myself to kind of find the flavors and the, the blends or like with home sweet, I, I literally was missing home, you know, um, holidays are tough. Home sweet came right after the holiday season and um, right before COVID-19 coincidentally. And so I was missing home. I wanted sweet potato pie. And so <laughs> I had to think about how I can create that experience. So I know the basic spices of sweet potato pie. Um, adding the apple and the carrot gives a sweet earthiness. And so sometimes it's just thinking about that that experience I want people to to be able to transport to um too yeah that was beautiful I feel like you know the way that you're describing it it's almost like kind of like a chef like putting together blending different flavors creating this experience like on your tongue you know yeah yeah so I never really thought about tea in that way how do you so you choose your so there's so many different types of tea like I remember when I got my tea you have like different boiling methods for black tea green tea what are some of your favorite teas and can you define some of them for some of people who may be unfamiliar? Yeah. So, um, in Kinfolk, I use a Ceylon, um, black tea that comes from the Ceylon region in India, I believe. And I like, so each tea has its own profile. Mm -hmm. Um, it depends on how long it's been dried and fermented and all those, all of those different things affect the taste of tea. Um, also whether or not it's organic too. So that makes a difference as well. Um, and so, uh, with that particular tea, it has a lighter fruitier taste as opposed to traditional black teas that are often very like heavy, can yeah. be bitter. And I really love, for that reason, I really love Kinfolk. Kim it has the same just like peppermint and ginger is like so uplifting. Um, you also can engage all your senses. So while you're sipping the tea, you're also getting your aromatherapy. You're getting the ginger, you're getting the peppermint. You have a headache or a stomach ache, this is what you drink. <laughs> um, so that's, that's been one of my favorites to drink, but also mm -hmm. to make. So I'm literally blending it with my spoon and my huge bowl. Can you talk um, to us about that process? Because you talked about the tea making process. What is, like, what is your tea making process like? Okay, I'm going to take you through because okay. it's a ritual. I'm ready. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I have a, a giant bowl that um, it's it's huge and silver, and I know it sounds silly. It's just a bowl, but also it's like it's sturdy. It feels good. It feels substantial. It feels like I'm about to do something. And I have one of my mom's old silver spoons. Mm -hmm. I always light a candle. Mm -hmm. I always either I do one of two things. I play some good music, or I put on I don't know some um, some you know trash TV to just engage me. But mm -hmm. also I like to have too you know of course. <laughs> and and if I'm doing a huge batch then I you know have my recipe ready but if I'm playing around with the herbs I, I take a couple and I mix them into bunches of bowls um, I have a couple little small bowls that I'll take you know maybe it's a teaspoon of ginger in this one and I'll try three teaspoons in another one and then um, if I'm doing a taste test and I take them one by one and I sip and see um, and, and come up with the, the flavor and come up with the combination that I like. 
That is beautiful. That is beautiful. Can you, so it's like almost like, it's like science meets being a chef, it seems like. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, speaking of science, I think that now in light of just like COVID-19 and even just like, I think the, I don't want to say wokeness, that's a little, but just as people are trying, are like trying to get more enlightened and you talked about like, you know, um, afro is talking about like blood and like kind of going back to your ancestral roots. I think that people like tea has been very much a part of that, you know, in terms of being like a natural healing element, like you talked about and stuff like that. So what, um, can you talk about some of the healing properties and what teas you would recommend people drink, you know, during co- this COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, like I said, I always uh, qualify by saying I'm not an herbalist, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very cautious about that. I think um, there's there's a place for herbalists, of course, in mm-hmm. the TV space. Um, mine is more about the practice of journeying, the practice of meditation, but also I do know a couple things that um, that can take care of you if, if you're dealing with COVID-19 or um, if you're trying to take care of your body. Um, one of those is vitamin C. So any tea blend with oranges or rose hips is super good for you. Lots of vitamin C. Um, also hibiscus, so jubilee, tons of vitamin C in that blend. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you're dealing with um, COVID-19, because it is a respiratory um, issue, anything with the peppermints and the, the mm. herbs that um, open your chest a bit, yeah. um, I would even suggest um, doing like breathing treatments, you know, just putting your teacup, you know, filling your teacup with the tea, maybe grabbing a towel and draping your head mm. over to kind of, you know, let the steam yeah. into your chest and your body. Yeah. And I, I actually have asthma. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it is very helpful for me to drink a tea with lots of hum- honey. I would suggest Kinfolk, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Love Freeze will also be another one. If we're thinking about the anxiety that all of this is causing, mm-hmm. um, Love Freeze is perfect for that. With the chamomile and the lavender, also has rose hips, so you get the vitamin C, but you get the uh, calming effects of the chamomile and the lavender and the mint. Mm, that's good. I'm like, I need to write this down. I'll rewatch this, but I need to write this. I'm like, this is good. I need to do that. What do you think that I feel like as people are also, you know, kind of continuing on this conversation, like people are also kind of moving towards like natural medicines. I know you're not an herbalist. And yeah. just like natural things and tea is very much a part of it. What do you think? How do you think the future of tea is? Like, do you like in terms of everything that's going on and just in general? I feel like it's becoming more popular. It used to be like a coffee world. And now yeah. I see more people going towards tea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think overall people, especially our generation, or my, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit older than you, but my generation and younger, um, people are deciding to take care of themselves in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no longer, I'm going to stay at a job for 30 years unhappily, even though that, you know, our ancestors and our parents and grandparents, that was the thing to do back in the day. And we're saying no to a lot of bullshit. We are saying no to a lot of bullshit. Um, and with my platform, you know, I'm challenging people to say yes to five minutes of giving back to yourself, you know, um, I, that was how I began, you know, tea drinking um, more seriously after my mother passed. I was a teacher for about 10 years um, um, in the Maryland, D.C. area. And 
I, you know, I, I went from elementary school to middle school. Uh, when I got to middle school, I had my own office because um, I was a, a school leader as well. And um, in my little space, I just took my tea kettle. And when I had time to, I would make a cup of tea. I would lock my door. I would sip my tea, cry my tears, read a book, whatever I needed to do. Five or 10 minutes of giving back to yourself and being very intentional about that is super important. And I feel like with, with tea drinking, you have no choice but to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you, <laughs> you get your tea bag. Specifically with loose leaf tea, you have to pay attention to this process. Mm-hmm. Um, so it forced me to just be like, hold on, I'm, I'm making a cup of tea. I'm not gonna answer this email. I'm gonna sit here and pay attention to this and be in this moment. Um, and so I feel like with tea drinking, that is going to change the game. That has been changing the game for a lot of people. Just, you know, giving back to ourselves a bit. Um, also, tea is also very communal. That's mm-hmm. you know? why people say, like, you know, we're going to tea. <laughs> yeah. Like, you make a pot of tea and you sit down with your girlfriends. Um, that has, with my husband sometimes, he's not a huge tea drinker, um, but I'll make a pot every now and again and we'll sit down and talk or you know, look at old pictures or watch TV. So it's been a way for, for me to give back to my friends and family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're ready for it. I think our generation is ready to make the change. Coffee is cool. I'm not yeah. a huge coffee drinker. Neither. <laughs> but when it when there's a good coffee, I'm I'm down for it. Um, but I think we're slowing down a lot. Yeah. I I definitely agree. And I think like even the way people have used like slang, like it's giving you the tea, like people are really kind of, you know, coming back to that. Cause I find myself, I'm not a coffee drinker at all. I've tried. I, yeah. When I do drink coffee, I end up putting like a whole bunch of milk and a whole bunch of sugar. And people are like, that's not coffee. Not- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, that's how I like it. I know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm more of a tea person, but I think like, even for me growing up, like tea was, you know, like I have like a Caribbean half and then like a black American half in my family. And so in the Caribbean, it was very much like at the end of your meal, it's kind of like a part of dessert, like drinking tea. And then with my family, like my American family was more like a morning ritual. So I've had like that duality, which I think was like really beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I really enjoy like, I feel like for me, like getting back to the loose tea process and having to understand how long to seek the tea and you know like the even like you said like the process of it it's very like beautiful and so if someone's new to the loose leaf tea game and they just bought a great tea from you like home sweet or jubilee how would you what would you tell them what are some things that they should get to just start out and to make sure that they're like brewing their tea correctly and enjoying the process too yeah so i would say so there are a couple of things that I think you should start with for your ritual. Get you something that you like to do um, when you are trying to unwind. Some people like to keep a journal. Um, I keep always keep a journal and a pen near me. Um, get a candle that is like, it's a luxurious process. Like treat it as a, an accessible, sustainable luxury, right? It's mm. not super expensive, but you are, you are indulging in the process. So get you something. For me, it's a candle um or an incense mm-hmm. get you something that you want to actually um create help you create this experience and ritual for yourself um in terms of drinking the tea i would suggest a teapot that has a thermometer feature because different teas take taste different depending on the type of water that you use and the temperature 
if you have this luxury, I do not. <laughs> I'm not going to buy jugs of water every time I want to brew a tea. Um, when I do events, I do go out and get nice spring water. But um, if I'm at home, I just use um, tap water and boil it. But the, the temperature matters the most. And so when you're drinking a green tea, for example, your temperature needs to be around 185 degrees. If you if that, that's a light boil, you hear like little rumbles in the water. Um, whereas if it's a black tea or an herbal tea, um, like something with chamomile, then it needs to be at boiling point, which is 212 de degrees. So it's like huge rumble and boil. And so if you were to brew tea, green tea, <laughs> I hear a lot. A lot of people say, I don't know, I'm not a big green tea person. Well, you're probably burning the leaves when you steep it too long or the water is oh. too high. And so you want to pay attention to that. Um, within each order, I include like a tea brewing guide that also tells you if you don't have an electric kettle, it tells you what you should look for and listen for um, in terms of temperature. Get yourself a nice teapot or a nice mug. Um, and some infusers. And I would say also indulge in some good honey, like go and grab a couple of different honeys, try, try different types, get you some sugar cubes or try um, a store-bought honey or go to your local farmer's market and get a nice local honey. Um, and yeah, and then most of the teas that I sell, you can make into a latte. So get yourself a frother. Um, mm -hmm. You can get those from Ikea or, or Amazon or whatever for five or 10 bucks. Um, and froth your milk and make it something cute and take pictures and show me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to get a frother. I think he put up a picture the other day and I was like, I need to get a frother. Girl, I got that for like 10 bucks somewhere. Mm, okay. Do you have a flavor, a favorite tea? Like I know there's like green tea, there's black tea. Do you have a favorite type? Hmm. And that was a hard question. <laughs> That is a hard question. <laughs> um, I'm really into a couple. So I like oolongs, but it depends on the type. Um, oolongs can be um, a little bitter, a little more earthy, but I like that about them. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also, um, I, don't, I don't think you've had Rimshot yet. It's coming back soon. Okay. Um, in, a, in a week or so, actually. But Rimshot has um, roasted cacao shells. And so they take the shell of the cacao bean and they roast it. And so you get all of the chocolate flavor. I mean, rich, deep chocolate flavor, but none of the calories and it's still a tea. And so Rimshot has uh, roasted cacao, has toasted coconut, has roasted chicory and then cinnamon. And so it's like a mocha latte without the caffeine, without the coffee, without the calories. Um, and so I'm really digging the cacao shells because sometimes you want like a sweet fix Mm -hmm. <laughs> it might be midnight and you really should get into chocolate or chocolate. Um, and so I'm really digging that right now too. Oh, okay. Those are, I need to try some of those. I don't think I have had any of those yet. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get you straight. Okay. You're like, I'm going to get you straight. So what, um, let's see, those are some other questions. <laughs> Can you tell us about, I think you already answered this, but can you tell us more about some of the like everyday benefits of drinking tea? I know you're not an herbalist, but even, even if it's like mental yeah. health and stuff like that, like what are some of the benefits of drinking tea that people may know or may not know about? Yes. Um, I would say the, the <laughs> mental uh, stamina. So the teas that are lightly caffeinated, those are going to be really good for you um, in the morning. Also with your bowels. 
the mm. warm liquid helps with um, releasing your bowels. There are lots of um, also oils and um, vitamins and um, antioxidants in tea. So you're getting all of those as you sip and drink your tea. Um, I know for me, if I drink a cup of tea, like I feel more alert, but also calm. Mm. And the biggest one is I have a girlfriend who, I mean, it's hard to, sometimes it's hard for people to understand this, but some people have aversions to drinking water, like the taste, or they can taste the minerals or whatever the case. Mm -hmm. And so I have a girlfriend who really struggles with like just drinking straight up water. And so she's been drinking a ton of tea and that's fine. You know, she makes a big pitcher of tea and she drinks that throughout the day. So also hydration. Mm, yeah. yeah. I don't like, understand people who have affinity to water, but that is like a creative way to do, to do mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And I like that a lot of the teas can also be made into iced tea, you know, now that it's getting warmer. Absolutely. You know what yeah. I mean? It doesn't I have to a, be. I had a couple friends also use them to make like um, tea cakes. So you can use them in different types of recipes. I'm not a baker, so I don't know. That's not my ministry. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. I attempted but, yeah, to make ban good. banana bread during the quarantine, and that was okay. It came out good. It came out okay. Oh, come on. It came out okay. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I say come on, sis, but I'm not making it. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'll try it once, you know. But yeah, and also I even made a drink with it because you can also make drinks with with the tea so that was like really fun to do and I was like oh when I think about mixers you can also use a tea yeah. or make like a hot toddy too to a certain extent okay. with a tea so absolutely I'm known to drop a little rum like <laughs> yeah. me a little night <laughs> exactly I need to do more of that I'd be forgetting I need to I need to grab the rum you know what I'm saying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So is there anything else that like you want people to know? We have like one game that we're going to play and then the question of the episode, but is there anything else you want people to know about your brand and like let people know where they can like find you on the gram and all that other stuff? Yeah. So a literally bursts from the idea of a journey, which literally means to stop, you know, for me to adjourn, we stop it for the day, but we come back to it. So I'm really pushing the principle, especially for Black women tea drinkers, um, that it's okay for us to say to press pause. Mm -hmm. Even on your babies, you know, um, mm -hmm. mama needs five minutes, press pause and give that time back to yourself. Um, you, you will appreciate it. I know I do. And just keep in mind that it's a practice. Some days I'm not great at it and some days I'm really good at it. And so be okay with being in practice and learning and um, evolving as you are adjourning. And you can find my teas at um, adjournteahouse.com. And then you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at adjournteahouse. Yes. And you, you all should go and support her. So I have like two signature things that I do on my podcast with guests. And it's like a little game of this or that where it's like a rapid fire. I only have like two for you. So it's really hard to figure out. Okay. But um, just like two options and you have to choose um, one or the other. Okay. okay so uh, tea or coffee? Tea. <laughs> Sugar or syrup? Mmm. Sugar. Mug or glass cup? Ooh, that's a hard one. Mug. Okay, and then the question of the episode is, if you had to write a chapter 
on tea in a textbook, what would you call it and why? Mm. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Take your time. <laughs> probably black people drink tea too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. You know, I, it's interesting when people, um, I have had a couple people that um, want to hire me for a tea party or want me to put an event together and they're like, I'm going to get my fancy tea hat and my gloves. I'm like, but we don't do all that. That's very Eurocentric. Um, and so I would love to bring attention to, you know, maybe not even Black people, just Black people, but the way people of color drink tea um, all over the world. And it, it doesn't have to involve um, antique tea sets and silver and um, cucumber sandwiches and roses <laughs> and, and shit like that. Like yeah. we drink tea <laughs> for our health, we drink tea for communion, we drink tea to... Um, to keep going, to live, all of that. We do this. Yes, I love that. I would read that textbook chapter, definitely. Maybe that's the chapter. <laughs> we do this. We do the this. The T. The T. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today and talking about Adorn Tea and talking about just your personal journey. I know you shared a lot about your family and everything. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, and I can't wait to share this with everybody. This is going to be really Thank good. You. Thank yeah. you. I wish you nothing but the best, sis. Um, and thanks for having me on. This was a pleasure. Yes. Thank you so much. And that is the conclusion for episode five on the history of tea with our special guest, Latonia from Adorn Tea House. Thank you so much for listening to episode five. If you enjoyed it or learned anything from this episode, please review it on whatever streaming platforms you're listening to us on right now. Reviews help us rank and help us be able to be found by people. If you want to take a deeper dive on the history of tea, check out the show notes on our new website that was in our textbook.com. You can find all of Latonia's social media on there as well and a link to her website so that you can buy her teas. I have Afro Blue, Jubilee, and Home Sweet Home in my cabinet right now, and I love them all equally. <laughs> Make sure that you follow That Wasn't In My Textbooks everywhere on the interwebs and come back on Friday the 28th where we'll be talking about the history of libraries. Yeah, that place we used to go and check out books. We'll talk about the history of it and then we'll discuss the future of libraries with a special guest. Thank you again for listening and remember, knowledge is power.